Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the new Argo Bounce live audio show with my co-host Nick Small and myself. Uh, good evening on this Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. Hard to believe. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight to our third episode here on the new look Argo Bounce live audio show about the CFL's Toronto Argonauts. Uh, breaking down their home and road games and previewing their upcoming games. And the Argonauts are now 6-0 for the first time since 1935. By the way, in 1935, when they went 6-0, they lost three in a row, finished the year 6-3, and and missed the playoffs. Back then, they only played nine games back in 1935. So let's hope the Argos don't lose three in a row and miss the playoffs this year, which is highly unlikely. But uh, the Argos are coming off a 31-13 win over Saskatchewan at the uh, Touchdown Atlantic game a Saturday afternoon. And the Argonauts are on the road again uh, Friday at uh, 7 o'clock, I believe, against the Calgary Stampeders. So just bear with me, and I'm going to bring on my co-host, Nick Small, and we're going to talk some uh, Toronto Argo football. And want to thank everybody for watching this live streamed on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, and all my audio platforms. And I'll, also, I want to say thank you to Ryan O'Neill from radio station WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta for airing our show on his station as well. And they are huge fans of the Canadian Football League as well. Good evening, Nick. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Chris, and hello, everybody. Everything's going great. 6-0, and oh, uh, fantastic weekend in Halifax. I wish I could have been there. Um, but, yeah, really excited. Uh, great, great performance. Uh, another win. Keep that streak going. The only one now is that 1921 team that had, I think, six. Uh, they, had a, they had a perfect season. Um, winning all their games in the regular season and the playoffs. Probably a bit of a tough task when I think they only played nine games compared to now where they're playing twice as many. Yeah, plus playoffs. So um, if they can if they can get this win today, though, and be the first time in their history going 7-0, and that would be a major accomplishment. And especially with it being their historic 150th year season, it's, it's pretty incredible that we were getting such a fantastic gift of a team that can do this. Yeah, before we get on to breaking down the Saskatchewan games, uh, thoughts on uh, the Argos releasing a wide receiver, Marquise uh, Ambles. I caught me off guard, by the way. Yeah, that's a big key to start with. Um, it was quite a big roster move, and I and it definitely to some came out of left field. I think the reason why it it could be just because of his injuries this season, but um, I I think also you just have to give credit to the other wide receivers that have that have stepped in and performed. Um, Brissett, Ungerer, Phillips. Coxy, Haydel coming in now for Coxy, like he will be for this game. There's a lot of receivers that have really stepped it up and and performed to the expectations that we needed. And unfortunately, with Ambles having been injured for so long on the six game injured list, it it just got to a point where you kind of have to either roll with the players who have been hot and who have the chemistry with Kelly. Now you have to remember that yes, Amos has been great, but he hasn't really taken a lot of passes from Kelly. He took some in the preseason game against Ottawa. I remember that in the opening drives and I was kind of looking forward to potentially that happening again. But um, I think this is one of the consequences kind of like we saw with Sam Achampong being traded to Edmonton. You just, don't have the you have the depth but you just can't sustain that many guys at once when they all want to play so definitely ambles is going to find a spot somewhere and i think that'll be the interesting thing to see where he ends up and what he does because he's definitely still cfl quality who do you think would pick him up if if you were a team around the league looking for a receiver my gut feeling he's going to end up with uh these two east teams either hamilton or ottawa and in the West, I, I, I can't see him going to Edmonton. They're, they are a mess right now, unless the uh, Oaks overpay him. Um, I, I really think he's going to end up either with the Hamilton Tiger Cats or the Ottawa Red Blacks. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. And I know a lot of people might think that the Elks would be the team to get just because of their their situation. But 
they're pretty well stacked in the wide receiver position with who they've got. Uh, Gino Lewis is the first one that comes to mind, but they've got several really talented wide receivers. I'm just bringing it up here. Um, yeah, Stephen Dunbar, Dylan Mitchell, um, yeah. Karen Moore, uh, CJ Sims. Like they've got a lot of talented receivers, so they don't really need the need the depth there. I think Hamilton across the QEW would be the one I'd expect because there seems to always be this this history where guys play in Toronto and something happens, they get cut, and then they go to Hamilton and continue their career there. I look at like what happened with Chris Van Zyl recently, or or Brandon Banks the other way around. So I think they could definitely see that move. Ottawa's another good response. I think I could see that. I don't think Montreal's quite as likely. Another team I thought could maybe use it actually in the West more than anyone would probably be Calgary with the injuries they've got to to many of their guys. Uh, I was going to bring this up later, but they've got Cole Tucker, Kadeem Carey, the running back, Malik Henry, Jalen Philpott, all really important wide receivers out. Odin Stukes is also a game-time decision for uh, this week for tomorrow's game. So there's there's a lot of holes in that wide receiver core, and Ambles might be able to fill that spot on the cheap if, if, he's, uh, if they're willing to pay him the, the money. Wasn't he originally a Stampeder? I think you're right, actually. I think he might have been. I can't I remember know, I, off the top of my head, but I think you right, might be right, Nick. Or I might be right on that, Nick. And uh, there are some ties between Calgary and Toronto too. And uh, I guess Denwitty was uh, had a big say in uh, the staffs, the Stampeders drafting Jake Mayer as well. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I think you might be right about Ambles. He might end up in Calgary. And uh, right now, like I said, Hamilton's quarterback situation is a mess. Ottawa, they're using a rookie quarterback. Edmonton is still unsettled. So you know what? Ambles might want to go to a team that has uh, an established or somewhat established quarterback. In, and I think Jake Mayer is going to be a good quarterback in the CFL. And uh, I, I think maybe he will end up in Calgary. Who knows? Yeah, it'll definitely depend. Some of the with him still being, I guess, technically injured, it'll depend on how he does in those other teams' physicals. But I definitely expect to see him get. Oh, you're just cutting out there, Nick. Um, I was going to ask you, Nick, if you can hear me. Um, what are your thoughts on Jagarrett Davis, uh, the trade to Calgary being? Uh, um, uh, wiped out. I guess he didn't pass a physical. So um, I don't know what the cats are going to do with Jagarrett Davis. He has no sacks this year, and uh, his production is way down. So I, it'll be interesting to see what the Tiger Cats uh, end up doing with the former Toronto Argonaut Jagarrett Davis. But I think his Grey Cup streak is going to be over this year, unless Hamilton or another team he goes with, uh, unless it's BC or Winnipeg, is in se severe. Uh, Jeopardy. Are you back, Nick? Okay, guys. Nick's just having problems with his audio, so uh, bear with us. Uh, Nick will be back. It's just a, a, an issue with his Wi-Fi. While we're waiting for uh, Nick to come back, I'm just going to play a little clip of uh, the Stampeders game against Montreal and uh, Jake Mayer uh, making a great throw to one of their receivers. Uh, and I'm just going to, and this is courtesy of the Calgary Stampeders uh, website and also uh, courtesy of TSN as well. No here tonight after a big game last week against Ottawa. Over the top, it's Reggie Bangleton in double coverage. He held on to it. What a perfect drop it in the bucket throw they're from gonna Jake go here. They're going to go tempo here, I bet. Here's you're probably going to see tempo. What they're trying to do is make sure that this is definitely a catch or force them to make the challenge right here. This is what you, you work on this situation. Go as fast as you can. So the coaches upstairs are trying to see the angles to force Jason and his staff to go ahead. All right, guys, that clip was courtesy of TSN and the Calgary Stampeders website as well. And I have Nick back on. You're back, Nick. Well, yeah, apologies. Some weird technical difficulties. Uh, I guess happens. my, yeah, internet does not like 30-degree heat in Toronto. I, I don't think I'm going to uh, survive in uh, in some place warmer than that, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, glad. thanks for bringing that clip on and, and uh, showing that because, yeah, I think uh, I think uh, looking at Jake Meyer, there's 
there's maybe some inconsistencies in his play sometimes, but you've shown there that he definitely has the ability to make the deep pass in situations where some other guys, um, like at, in instances like Fajardo and, and uh, Fine were maybe not so much able to um, in the previous weeks against Toronto, but uh that's a that's a different decor in Toronto. They're exceedingly talented, so it'll be really interesting to see if he's able to even put one in there in double coverage because they've been really good at disguising their coverage packages and getting interceptions off them. Absolutely. And before you cut out your Wi-Fi, I was going to say, Jarrett Gavis, the former Argyle, uh, who went back to Hamilton, was traded to Calgary, but that trade was wiped out. And I'm just mm-hmm. wondering what the Tiger Cats are going to do with him now since he couldn't pass his physical. He's got no sacks this year, and I've heard some other things as well. So it'll be interesting to see what the Cats do with Jagger Davis, and I think his Grey Cup streak is going to end this year. Well, we'll see, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, anything, anything's possible. It's this year might be the year the East actually gets to cross over in the West, given how the the standings are right now. And that's that's a big part about why this game is so significant to Calgary. Like, so often we're used to seeing them, even with sometimes subpar teams on paper, still able to be second in the division. And and this year they're they're down to fourth. They're they're tied for the second worst team in the league. So I mean, they're they've got their work cut out for them and this game is really important for them to save their season if if they Absolutely. don't win this game they're they're going to be in a lot of trouble and i think what uh, dave dickinson said last week about changes possibly being made there's going to be some pretty big moves going on if if they're looking to, to do a quick rebuild kind of situation with all the injuries Absolutely. They're two and five. And, and the last year they were under 500 was 2007. So uh, this, I totally agree with what you said there, Nick and a uh, huge game. Um, I don't want to go on too much about the Saskatchewan game uh, since we got Calgary coming up tomorrow night, but just mm-hmm. quick thoughts on the game against Saskatchewan and what was the turning point in this game uh, for the Argonauts over Saskatchewan? Cause I know the offense I think was at a sink and, and kind of had an off day, but I think Saskatchewan's defense also did a nice job on the Argo defense or on the Argos offense. Yeah, it was it was a very interesting game, and and I think I wonder how much of it possibly came from the Argonauts' offense not kind of used to playing in that sort of East Coast atmosphere. But um, that speculation aside, I I thought they did really well defensively, given that they were on the field for two-thirds of that game, especially in that second half, because the Argos really struggled to to move the ball on continuous plays, but they were still able to get good field position out of it. If we're talking turning points, I think just the the very first uh, return touchdown was probably the big moment by Javon Leak to really kind of set set the tone early, kind of like the the week before that j- they just seemed to more often now this year than anywhere else they've been getting a bigger lead early on in and then they're really able to sort of punish away in the in the first half be up a big score like 21 nothing like they were with the help from another big turning point that that goal line fumble for a second time already this year um, last time in Edmonton getting that turnaround and then just sort of being able to coast on that and and their defense just plays really well with the bend but don't break mentality they let Saskatchewan take long time consuming drives down the field with short chip passes but ultimately were never able to punch the ball in for big points when they needed to and that's that's how you play football if you want if you're playing to win games even if it's not necessarily the most entertaining at times and they won the turnover battle again. I believe Sketch one turned it over three times against uh, Robinson Daniel. And then uh, Deshaun Amel with a pick six, which sealed the deal. And then uh, the mm-hmm. goal line. And that was a great play by Pickett. I think it was Pickett that hit the running back or hit the football. And uh, within the inches, uh, great play by the Argos defense there. And uh, when you win the turnover battles in the CFL, the NFL, college football, Generally, you're going to win uh, football games. And and, and uh, I was going to say, I wanted to ask you about this. How underrated is Javon Leak? Yeah, now that the blocking schemes seem to have figured themselves out, and it is it is really impressive to see Javon Leak's running ability really show forth. Um, 
yeah, when you go on to turnover battles back there, uh, the, I guess unless you're Ottawa and you intercept Bo Levi Mitchell five times and still lose is the only time where the turnover battle doesn't get you a win. But um, yeah, Javon Leak has been really impressive lately in his return game. He had that, I think it was the BC game where he had the return touchdown in, in Toronto. And then he's he's had a really good performance this week uh, in Saskatchewan against Saskatchewan and just his, not only his running, but the blocking schemes really seem to finally be at a point where he's able to find that hole and break it out for a big return. Cause even, even without the touchdown play, he was getting the Argonauts offense yeah. out at midfield most of the time. So even Absolutely. in the second half, when they weren't able to, when they weren't necessarily able to get many first downs, they were still in a position where BD could kick a field goal. And, and that kind of led to led to the game being out of reach very early on for Saskatchewan. I think the special teams has been outstanding, and two of the three units were great on Saturday. Obviously, the defense, special teams, and the offense, it had a, a day off, but it was out of sync. But uh, I was going to say also, um, I've been hearing people to saying that uh, they wouldn't be surprised if NFL scouts are looking at Javon Leak because um, what he's doing, he had, what, 171 yards in that game, and he's given the Argos offense great field position this year. And and Boris Beattie has been solid as usual, but I noticed I don't think he's tried one field goal over 50 yards this year, Nick. Am I right or am I wrong about that? I just don't remember any 50-plus yard kicks attempts for him this year. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure. I haven't I haven't checked on on distance and field goal attempts, but I don't I don't see really a need to if you're gonna if you have the best punter in the league in uh, John Haggerty, Haggerty and being able to just pin them pin them deep. There's if if and especially in these circumstances, they haven't been in many situations where they've needed a clutch. 50 plus yard field goal at long distance at a key moment in the game. So if you're, if you're winning by more than seven points, points, why would, why would you risk that when you can just pin them deep in their own territory or get the rouge off that in the worst case scenario? I, I think that's probably why they aren't going for super long field goals, which might be a bit more of a risk. But I think the only thing I think in terms of like NFL drafting and that kind of stuff, the problem is that the CFL game warrants good returning. Like it's it's specifically designed yes. for it. Yeah, whereas, yeah, it's more the NFL is this fair catch crap well, and well, even, uh, touchbacks. Sorry. Well, even even before that, it's really gone. I think downhill in the last five yes. years, where now spe yeah. special teams they don't like you're starting on the goal line, no running start, and and other people have brought it up. It's, it's been a way for younger players to really showcase their talents because they don't play on offense or defense very often. They play on special teams. And now that special teams is just fair catch or, or touchback. Like you said, there's, there's, they don't have opportunities to showcase their abilities. So it's, it's almost like why even bother having special teams if you're just going to play offense defense. But then that's one thing I've always been adamant. The, although we have the no yards rule, the most integral part of it that that really makes it a a entertaining and really situational thing is that ability to nullify it by being onside with the kicker. And we've seen the Argos do that against Montreal. We saw Hamilton do that against the Argos. I think at least one other team has tried it this season. I, I can't remember which game off the top of my head, but I'm sure I've seen it at least in one other game. And we very well might see it uh Calgary try it this week against Toronto and I, I'm really excited to see that that part of the game with the onside man being brought back in in, in the playbooks because it, it really does it's something unique to our game of football and and just it, it requires the returners and the blockers to be really smart understanding the rules and how to and how to take advantage of that to maintain possession it's it's a wonderful thing and yeah it's so much more entertaining than watching a guy wave their hands in the air yeah. every four downs yeah, a lot of Americans don't like the rouge or the single point, but I'm telling them I don't like the fair catch. And I said, there's stuff about the NFL I don't like, okay, and there's stuff about the CFL you don't like. But I, I said to him, why can't you just enjoy the CFL for what it is? It's it's like people watch the Buffalo Bisons, AAA Baseball, or the OHL. Nobody calls it Bush League or Minor League. They enjoy it for what it is, and people need to get it out of their head. It's professional 
football. These are professional athletes. And there's been guys from the States that couldn't crack it in the CFL. Ricky Williams, Johnny Manziel. It's not as easy as people think. And uh, I just, like I said, I just wish people, not you, or I just wish some people on social media would stop comparing it to the NFL. It's not the NFL. It's a different league, different country. And I heard one excuse. You don't have 32 teams like the NFL. Canada is a much smaller country than the United States of America. 32 million people compared to, what, 375? And there's only nine teams in Canada. So, you know what I mean? I just, yeah. And and the only thing I do do not like about the, uh, I, I did used to like the rule about the no yards uh, thing, but I think five yards was sufficient. They changed it from what five yards to fifteen. I, if I it if it hit the ground, if okay. if it was caught in the midair, it was it was still a fifteen yard penalty. But yeah, they changed it so it was fifteen every if it bounced or not. Um, before it was five if it bounced, and that part was part of this rules package change last season to kind of try to promote more offense and scoring. I'm I'm not sure the direct correlation with it because I think like you like for this year, for instance, although we have teams like BC and Toronto that have been pouring on the points i think sometimes you just get years where you have really poor quarterback play like this year's kind of a down year for that across the board one thing nick too i wanted to bring this up about the argonaut special teams they did a great job on alfred for saskatchewan he was non a non-factor in that game and i was kind of worried that he might get a touchdown or give saskatchewan a good field position Mm -hmm. a number of times but they did a good job containing him yeah, that's a really good point, especially given that um, uh, Daniel Adababoy, one of their best special teams uh, coverage guys this season, has been out, and they've also been without Josh Haggerty um, for most of the year, too. And fortunately, both of which will be returning back this week, so that's going to be exciting to see both of those guys back in the lineup against Calgary. All right, we'll get to the next question. How good overall is this Argos defense talent-wise and depth-wise? I mean, just exceptional. If you have to cut Mark Keith Ambles, like we talked about, like how much how much more depth could you need where you've got to do that to to still be at your best lineup? I I think it's it's insane because I don't think I've ever seen this before on an Argonauts team, and we've seen it before in some other rosters, like at the beginning of the Winnipeg dynasty, and you look at Calgary's dynasty over the last decade or so. It's it's something that I've I've never seen with the Argonauts, and it's been such a big positive story in the fact that like you can have Jamal Peters out this week and still be fine with Quantas Stiggers taking his spot, yes. Tavares McFadden coming back in on the on the boundary side, um, or on the wide side, sorry, um, and and yeah, having um, uh, Jordan Williams go down and having Jonathan Jones come in, Winnie McManus be being there on the on the on the weak side it's it's just absolutely crazy how many spots that there are where you can take a guy out and there's there's two more guys who are just as equally capable of being able to fill the job the wide res- and as i said the wide receiver example with ambles is another such um, instance of that and and i don't hear any uh and when you're winning, uh, you don't hear any dissension. And uh, I'm going to be honest. I think they made the right move in uh, letting Jagarek Davis and uh, uh, Chris Edwards goes. And uh, this team right now um, is getting healthy. And uh, they're play- six and all. They're off to a good start. And uh, like I said, uh, you got to give Pinball Clements in the Argonauts uh, scouting department credit for putting this team together. Yeah, the I mean the the big justification for it is that yeah, Ambles is a really good player, but there uh, then of course there's other circumstances around it. But the Argos weren't six and zero at this point last year with Ambles, and this year they are without. So it's like, do you? They're going to take the risk and ride the ride the guys who have been running hot, and and yeah, it's it's a it's one of these tough football moves that that gets made, and and yeah, you don't you want to keep everybody, but unfortunately, it's just a part of the business that that you can't, and um, yeah. But that being said, yeah, like you said, it's it's really a big um, reward on guys like like pinball and John Murphy and, and Jim Barker when he came in um, and everybody else on the, on the, uh, the staff who have, who have had a role in that they're all 
they've all done a really good job on picking the right people to uh, to play the position and i think they've also got an exceptionally talented coaching staff because I, yes. I don't think there's there's a, a staff from head to toe that's that's better right now. Dimwitia head coach, you have Corey Mace covering the D line. You've got Kevin Iman and Josh Josh Bell and Will Fields uh, linebackers, DBs secondary. Um, you got Pete Costanza with yeah. uh, receivers and running the pass game, um, and uh, Chris Sweet running the O line and Mickey Donovan on special teams. Like you've just got so many really good people that that all have have they bring something to it not just in the positions that they coach, but they all have a slight different personality where. You know, you don't see Ryan Dinwiddie or Corey Mace necessarily being um, too fired up. But when there's moments where someone needs to get mad and and the discipline guys, you've got someone like Chris Sweet who is not afraid to bark at you. Um, but then you've got, um, but then you've got other other guys like Kirby Kuhn is the the team chaplain guy who also does the PA for the Raptors. You got him as like sort of a. a, a a guy you can talk to to help pick your spirits up, but also to, to just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing when you're making great plays. There's just the right blend of personalities where nobody's really like fighting with each other internally or stepping on each other's toes. It's a really well-oiled machine in the coaching staff. And, and yeah, I, I think it's just been a, the major success story is the turnaround of this franchise from how right before COVID things were looking really, really grim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing I I tell people to enjoy having Corey Mace on the staff, because I believe next year he will be a head coach in the CFL or an assistant coach in the NFL. But I I just think Corey Mace, I'd like to see him stand trial next year, but I think he might be gone. And uh, I also told people too, my gut feeling is uh, Chad Kelly loves it in Toronto. But I really think his heart is on uh, another opportunity in the NFL. And, and I even told Adam, I said, I'm not uh, sounding like a Debbie Downer, but everybody should just enjoy this team one game, one week at a time. And uh, like I said, uh, next year, you don't know what's going to happen. So, But uh, Corey Mace is definitely a future head coach in the CFL if he wants to be one, in my opinion. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I again, like you've kind of put it, I try not to think about it too much because, as we've seen, the mentality of the team has been very short-minded. One and zero, win the next game, and that's yep. I think that's the right mindset. And yes, it, it's clearly worked up to this point. So why change anything? Definitely. Now? All uh, right, we'll get into another question. Um, I usually pick offensive players for my three stars of the game for Toronto, but. Uh, who are your three stars of the game for Toronto, Nick? We'll go with you first. Okay. Um, yeah, I think low-hanging fruit. I think um, uh, Javon Leak is probably one of the most obvious ones to pick. Um, defensively, I would say Winnie McManus was a outstanding guy, as always, all over the field. Um I guess, and the third I will go with was the pressure provided by the D line. I guess if I had to pick one person, uh, it's probably. Be- I mean, it's so it's hard to narrow it down. Um, probably Arimalade, but I mean the whole D line core played really well that game and was really able to put a ton of pressure on Mason Fine, which kind of forced him to only really throw the short check down. So I think I'll go with those those guys as my three. Um, leave the offense aside, unfortunately, for this week. As for myself, I, I agree with you on the number one, Javon Leak, 171 yards. Uh, he had 171 total. The 71-yard touchdown return, he had a 51-yard one and had 121 yards in the first quarter. Uh, Definitely the number one star. The number two star I'm going with Robinson Daniel. Uh, I thought he played good again, another interception. And the number three star, Deshaun Amos, uh, with another pick six uh, for the Argonauts. Uh, Special team guy and two D guys this time. Yeah. Um, one shout out I got to give though is to Andrew Harris for uh, breaking the um, breaking fifth, I think, on the all time um, running backs list. Or uh, uh, sorry, rush, rushing yards. So because yes. uh, Damon Allen is, is on there, too, despite not being a running back. Which is just amazing. Damon Allen, 75,000 something, 75,000 passing yards, and then another 11,920 yards rushing. And uh, Damon Allen, man. 
people don't realize how special this guy was. And uh, he could have played baseball too. He was actually drafted by the Detroit Tigers in 84 as a pitcher. And, and he chose football and uh, 23 year career in the CFL. And he's still to this date, the last quarterback to beat the Argonauts in a great cup back in 1987. Yeah. Give him credit. Give him credit. Uh, Damon is, was quite one of a kind. I think he's the only guy who's top five on both um, passing and rushing yards. So it's, it's, pretty cool um yeah and i think it was charles roberts was the guy that um andrew harris said he was look always looked up to as a kid and uh the story about him you know saying one day he was going to break his record and and doing that in halifax of all places i think this is a pretty cool thing to thing to say first ballot hall of famer right and uh, nick andrew yeah harris, I, I think so I mean, for I mean, I I get when you're talking players, um, like you got a lot of recency bias on guys, but I think if we're talking like Canadian running backs over just the last two decades who have really defined the position, I think the the two that that instantly come to mind have got to be Andrew Harris and John Cornish. Absolutely, and uh, I like what the Argos are doing with that running back game. Adriel Led, Andrew Harrison, they've got so many weapons on that offense, and uh, that brings up my next question, uh, Nick. Any concerns that the game against Calgary could be a trap game, and uh, your thoughts on the offense? You you think they'll make us some uh, offensive adjustments going against Calgary defense? Uh, yeah, everybody's favorite two words, the trap game. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, well, when I was looking at some of the adjustments to the roster going into this week, um, so some of the big things to note, uh, offensively, the big thing is that uh, Darius Sirocco, who's been playing center all season so far, he is out. And Peter Nicostra, who's been playing mostly right guard this year, um, he was the rookie of the year for the team, I think, three uh, before, co is before COVID, I think it was, or the half season. Anyways, he... He um, it moved from uh, he's going to move from right guard over to center, um, and then uh, McGregor McKellar is going in at right guard. Um, wide receiver wise, Coxey is out again for okay. another week. Um, and then the other thing I think that's interesting to keep an eye on is if you look on the depth chart, you have for designated nationals, you've got Jordan Williams at, at middle linebacker, Jonathan Jones at. Um, uh, short side linebacker, and then you've got Pickett in the in the flying wing Sam spot. Um, so um, Williams is in brackets as a designated national, but Wendy McManus is in the curved brackets as a nationalized American. So I think you could see um, McManus maybe coming in at middle linebacker for Williams. But another thing to keep an eye on, and and I'm I'm and I know other people are going to see this as well, so I know it's not me revealing some big secret. Benoit Marion, Deontay Knight, and Robbie Smith, who are all backups in the um, defensive line spots, are also in those designated nationals spots. So I could very well foresee a potential scenario where they might drop a guy at D-line, have McManus in for the line, the lineman, and maybe run a four-linebacker, three-lineman setup on a, maybe on a second down situations, have that rotate in, have only three guys providing pressure, but then there's also the option to maybe send a, send one of the linebackers in. There's a lot of really interesting kind of things you can play around with that. And we haven't seen the Argos run with the designated national rules too much when they haven't needed to. So there's some pretty cool things that we might end up looking forward to. All right. Um, I wanted to ask you this as well, Nick. What are some keys to an Argo road win on Friday night against Calgary? And is that a 7 o'clock kickoff or a 9 o'clock kickoff, by the way? Uh, I thought it was a, let me check my friend, friendly dandy computer right here to confirm. I'm, I'm going to miss probably yeah. a, a half the game driving back from Buffalo. So I'm going to have to listen to our friends, Mike Hogan and Ben Grant on TSN 1050 uh, on my radio, providing the signal from the Toronto station, uh, reaches out to Niagara Falls, uh, St. Catharines area tomorrow night. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I think I think across the lake it shouldn't be too bad. I know sometimes when you get up in the night in the um, Hamilton Peninsula, you get past uh, Dundas, then it starts to get a little choppy. But I think I think south there you'll probably be okay. Um, yeah, in terms of so keys, um, 
I did check. It is a nine o'clock start. Um, okay. Because I know, yeah, today's Good. game's going on right now. It just started, yeah. I think. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was kind of throwing me off. Um, I think in terms of keys, um, I think if they pressure very similarly to how they did Mason Fine last week in Saskatchewan, I I I know you're more on on uh, Jake Mayer than I am, but I I have not seen can be consistent enough okay. um like even during the preseason games he looked like the worst quarterback out there in the in the game against edmonton i just haven't seen him enough of him throwing consistent good balls downfield to to be that much of a threat so i would i would say take advantage of your sec- excellent secondary core um especially now that josh haggerty is coming back in this week force him to throw the ball deep into double coverage and and uh i'll i'll um yeah, we'll see if if he's able to make those kind of plays like he did in that clip you showed against Montreal. I don't think he can do it. Um, and then I think offensively, I think you just gotta just gotta find the guy and and who's been kind of left uncovered in in opposing schemes and take advantage of it. One big key that might be part to it on defense is that the uh, will linebacker spot for Calgary, uh, Cam Judge, he might be a game time decision, so he might not end up playing. And I think if you get that, that opportunity, it might set up a bigger advantage for Harris and Olette. You might be able to run to that short side a little bit more than you usually would. Micah always a really good middle linebacker, but if you're going to be making him work all day, maybe sometimes running right at him and wearing him down is the way to go. My keys to an Argo win is I think the offense has got to get on track. Obviously, we know what the defense has done, special teams has done, but I, I would like to see them um, get that offense going a bit. Uh, like I said, Kelly had an off game. The whole offense did. It wasn't just uh, Chad Kelly. So I think the offense needs to get off to a good start, and I think they need to get that running game started as well. Got to give Saskatchewan credit. They did a nice job uh, defensively, so mm-hmm. it'd be nice to get A.J. going a little more, get him in the game a little more earlier. Same with Andrew Harris, but I don't know. I think the Argo should go out and attack them right away deep, go deep uh, to start the game. So I think strong start by the Argos offense in the first quarter uh, is huge. And I think, uh, I think like you said, Nick, I think the Argos defense needs to put pressure on Jake Mayer. Uh, if not sacks into hurries, uh, poor throws, or even tip balls or interceptions. And I, I really do think special teams is going to be a factor in this game. And I can see, um, I could see Javon Lake leak making another impact in this game as well. Yeah. Um, did you see his long snapping for Calgary this week as a replacement for uh, Crawford? No, no. Who? Our our old buddy Max Latour is uh, is on the Calgary side this week. Um, our Aaron Crawford got added to the one game injured list, so um, him and uh, Jamal Campbell was for the Argos for a time. Uh, um, those are the two names that stand out to me as uh, former Argonauts of, of not too long ago. Um, yeah. I should have looked this up. The Argos' old-time record in Calgary, I believe, is well under 500. So even though yeah. Calgary's off to a bad start, or, yeah, I would say in terms of starts, this is horrible for Calgary, 2-5, and five, and 0-3 and at home. The Argonauts have never, in my life since 72, uh, even in the 70s and 80s, they had trouble winning at McMahon Stadium. So uh, this is a stadium in a – a stadium that's given them trouble over the years as well. Yeah, just like uh, just like Edmonton and uh, BC, we struggle out west for whatever reason. Some some in the water, I take it. Um, I if we're looking at um, offensively, another thing I I do kind of want to stipulate is I don't think it's necessarily been the start of games that's been the problem for Toronto. It's really been the second halves. Like we've getting we've gone up to a big lead and then we kind of just let our foot off the gas. Yes. I, and I think I brought it up last week that uh, um, we need uh, uh, we need a little bit of that old school, just kind of keep keep whipping the horses a little bit. So I I think if there's one thing I would like to see from this game, I would like to see um, two offensive touchdowns in the second half of the game, so we're not letting or at least one um, early in the second half, so we're not like just kind of waltzing into the second half with this twenty point lead and just slacking off in the latter part and just relying on our D to do all the hard work. Well said, Nick. And actually I agree with you on that as well. And uh, 
Finally, we're going to wrap this up uh, yeah. as we do all the time here on the Argo Bounce Live Audio Show. We're going to do our picks of the week. Obviously, we got BC Winnipeg, BC at Winnipeg going on right now, which to me is a preview of the U.S. final. Mm-hmm. Then we got Toronto, Calgary Friday night, Montreal, Hamilton Saturday night, and Ottawa at Saskatchewan. Nick, uh, you go first, and what's your picks for these games? Okay. Um, I'll pick BC on the road to start. Mostly because different quarterback um, for with Dane Evans, and I think it actually gives BC a better look potentially, um, so that Winnipeg can't fully adjust like they did when they if they were playing against Vernon Adams again. That being said, it's it's definitely a toss up, so I could definitely see Winnipeg winning. So um, that that one you could flip a coin on. Um, obviously, I'm taking the good guys against Calgary. I'm not going to buy into the trap game stuff. Okay, okay. Um, uh, if I had to pick a score, I'm going to say something like probably similar to the Saskatchewan game. I'll pick something in like the 30 to, to 15 range. We seem to be able to get to that 30-point mark, which is which is huge given that it's kind of what everybody wants to see in games lately. Um, uh, Montreal-Hamilton, I'm picking Montreal on the road in Hamilton. Um might go to that game yet. I'm still undecided. I kind of want to go since I won't be able to see the Argos for another another week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been really missing. If it was not for the the other game in Hamilton when they were there, yeah. I, I would be depressed with how little Argos I've gone to see lately. Definitely. And then um, uh, for the last game, I'm picking Ottawa over Saskatchewan. Or actually. Yeah, I I think I'll 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 take the bet on Crumb bouncing back. I'll pick Ottawa. I want to see that East crossover into the West. All right, for me, I'm I'm picking all the home teams this week. Uh, I'm going with Winnipeg. I think I think Winnipeg wants to send a message to BC that they're not the Kings yet. So I got to go with Winnipeg. Uh, Calgary in an upset over the Argos. I think 2017. I just think. I just think Calgary's going to pull it out by three points. I hope I'm wrong, but that's my gut feeling. Saturday night, I'm going to go with the uh, the hometown Tiger Cats. I think uh, it's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game because I think Hamilton has a good defense, and they can keep Montreal uh, down low. And uh, obviously, Hamilton's got some issues with quarterback and offense. So I got the Tiger Cats winning that game. I don't know, 16-13 or 13-10. And then Sunday, I've got Saskatchewan b- bouncing back against Ottawa. And I think at home, I, I got to go with Saskatchewan. One thing I wanted to ask you about, Nick, before we wrap this show up, what are your thoughts on the bull Levi Mitchell injury at the end of the game where they they should have been in victory formation with 11 seconds left? Uh, yeah. Uh, just thinking about it makes me sad. Honestly, I I hate I hate seeing the situation that that it's gone because it gives you the same kind of gut wrench feeling with the um, um, the injury to Masoli in Ottawa. It's just you you don't root for a guy to to go through that, especially fighting to be back in. As for the the decision, it's 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 tough. It's it's a football call, and you know you're yeah. In hindsight, twenty twenty you. You probably shouldn't have had your your QB in, but um, it's it's just part of the consequences of where you're paying a guy one and a half million to be the guy in your your team. Like if he's if you're paying him to be the guy, he has to be the guy. So that's I think. Yeah. As for the call on the field, like I get why they were trying to do do a sneak and and because of the yardage being back in their own zone, not really being able to knee, but. Yeah, it, it, he could have easily have just fallen forward into an empty gap and had not had the guy roll on him. So I think it was just a lot of bad luck and circumstance. I don't, I don't blame the decision in itself outright as a, as a consequence. I still disagree because he could have fumbled that ball and Ottawa could have won the game. I just think with 11 seconds left, put in a backup quarterback and take the victory, Neil. Okay. Whatever. Counter, uh, counterpoint, though, then what, what's stopping the backup quarterback from fumbling it, too? Particularly okay. if a guy who doesn't have as nearly as many reps in the game. So, I mean, I it, know, but, it could happen both ways, right? But you saw Dimwitty last week when they were up with what, two minutes left or a minute and a half? 
They didn't take any chances with Chad Kelly, and they brought in Cameron Dukes to finish that game out. And I totally agree with that because you didn't need Kelly getting hurt unnecessarily uh, with a minute and a half left. I, I, I'm not trying to criticize Orlando Steinhauer. I think he's a very good head coach, but they, Mitchell's been off for six games already with a groin injury. And now in a, in a I just honestly think there was no need for that to happen, oh. especially when you had the game one and and now he's going to be out another six games. So I just think it was a, a mistake on, on their, uh, uh, on their coaching part, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to counter that, you can kind of look at Ottawa too, and the kind of need to rush Masoli in for the yeah. sort of publicity yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and also with the with the the Argonaut situation, like it was it was a multi possession lead the Argos had, so they could they could afford to have Scott or Dukes in and, and throw a little bit. Even that that game, the final score was sixteen twenty Hamilton over Ottawa. So yeah, it's 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 really tough because like yeah. we're we've talking this with almost a, a week of hindsight, whereas yeah. these guys are ma- trying to make it right in the slew of the moment when. Tons of fans are roaring. There's all hell, kinds of hell is going on. So it's it's a tough decision uh, to make. And yeah, some unfortunately sometimes it ends up like this. And I I don't envy the guys who have to make those tough decisions. It's not. An easy I job. I think I think you're gonna see the teams the rest of the year in that situation play a little differently because they don't want to see the con the consequences of that but anyways it's done and over with um and it's yeah. good to have her it's good to have your view nick in my view and that's what makes for good conversation because i don't no, expect that... you i don't expect you to agree with everything i say and uh and i just think it's a good conversation piece the best part is we have a exciting Toronto Argonauts game to look forward to yes. tro- tomorrow. It's it's felt yes. like an eternity since the Halifax game. Um, if if we're getting near ending off now, one thing yeah. I do want to shout out is all of the amazing fans from both Toronto and Saskatchewan who made the trek over. It was uh, really wonderful as someone who had the the FOMO, the fear of missing out. It, um, I can't thank you guys enough for sharing all of your adventures and stories and, and uh, many beverages, uh, some of which might be a little adult in nature, um, bringing all of that and the lobster and everything uh, um, home to us to, to get to uh, watch and enjoy it. it. It almost felt like we were there ourselves. And for that, I thank you, the fans. All right. And you guys can check out the Argonauts website at argonauts.ca. And if you can't get down to Calgary tomorrow night, uh, like Nick and me can't, uh, you can uh, watch the game on TSN like Nick is. Or I'm going to be coming back from Buffalo Bills uh, red and blue scrimmage game uh, type practice game at Highmark Stadium. So I will be listening to the Argos game on either argonauts.ca or on TSN 1050 with Mike Hogan and Ben Grant. I believe we'll be back doing the color analyst tomorrow night as well from Calgary. Yeah. Okay. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Glad to have you joining us and listening to us tonight and uh, take care and uh, yeah, look forward to the game tomorrow and uh, only another week to go till they're back home finally against Ottawa. And I I hope to see many of you guys there at that game because I've, I've been hearing a lot of really good things with the attendance uh, sales so far for this upcoming home game. It feels like forever since we were last at BMO Field. So I know I am going to have a heck of a time and I can't wait to see all you guys there as well. Nick, before I let you go, where can people follow you on Twitter? Um, you can always follow me at Nick underscore small underscore 38 um, on Twitter. That's always the best place to chat with me. Um, and if you were, if you don't want to post uh, directly on it, um, you can always just direct message me. I usually try to get back to you within an hour or so, depending on what's going on. All right, Nick, I'm going to wrap this up. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Enjoy the BC Winnipeg game, which I'll be watching as well. And uh, I will set my PVR for tomorrow night. And uh, I'm looking forward to our 
fourth episode on the Argo Bounce Live Audio Show uh, next week as we break down the game against Calgary and finally get the preview on actual home game at BMO Field on Sunday, August 13th at 7 p.m. against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Nick, I want to say another great show, and uh, thank you so much for being the co-host here on the uh, Argo Bounce Live Audio Show, and I will send you a copy of our uh, uh, show in in the next half an hour as well. Sounds good. Take care, everybody. Have a good night and see you tomorrow. Thanks, Nick. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up again. Thank you for uh, watching season one, episode three of the Argo Bounce live audio show here. And thank you to everyone watching live streamed on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, and also my uh, our 14 audio platforms. And I want to say uh, the Argo Bounce Live Audio Show, a weekly show about the CFL's Toronto Argonauts, will air on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta, the home of Southern Talk and Sports, the heartbeat of Atlanta. And a shout-out to Ryan O'Neill, who's the station manager there, and he's a CFL fan as well. Guys, I hope you enjoy the uh, CFL games this week. I'm looking forward to the game tonight between BC Winnipeg, Friday, Toronto at Calgary, 9 p.m., Saturday at 7 p.m., Montreal, Hamilton, and then Sunday. I'm not sure what time that game is. Ottawa, Saskatchewan. So lots of great football going on here. And uh, I will be at uh, Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park tomorrow night to uh, watch and cover the Bills' uh, red and red and blue uh, scrimmage game as well. And I'm going to hopefully get some good pictures, some videos, and possibly an interview or two with people that are uh, with the Buffalo Bills organization as well. All right, guys. Uh, have a great evening, everyone. Great weekend. Enjoy the CFL games. And look forward to doing Episode 4 of the Argo Bounce Live Audio Show next week. Uh, date and time to be announced uh, with my co-host, Nick Small. Have a great weekend, everybody, and uh, go Argos.